0: Okay, Doug. let's continue a little bit <clears throat> looking at, touching on some of the elements that we need to take into account, uh, bring into our awareness, um, care for on this path of soul-making if this vehicle, if this soul-making vehicle, yana if you like, uh, doesn't, spring a leak, Uh, if it's not uh, going to spring a leak, run out of steam, blow a fuse, or whatever. In other words, if imaginal practices, sensing the soul, soul soul-making practices in in the broad range of what that means for us, um, is not going to actually increase Dukkha, bring more Dukkha, Uh, What are the elements that we need to be aware of and to care for? So continuing a little bit with that. Um, One area uh, is around pacing. I've touched on this already um, several times on several different occasions. Um, You know, you may have heard uh, me say that one way of conceiving, very very broadly speaking, of the goal, if we can even use that word, or the direction, or the um, delivery of of this kind of path, is as a kind of um, potentially infinite and endless opening of of soul making of the eros psychologos dynamic, and with that. Um, the accessibility and development facility of uh, and flexibility with a whole range of possible ways of looking and ways of conceiving. And broadly speaking, that is uh, could be conceived of if you had like, the goal or the direction or the movement. The, let's say the 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 issue of, of all this path, um, but you know when we put it that way the emphasis is really on flexibility and opening and and it sounds like there's going to be this kind of endless movement and um always moving from one thing to the other always opening to the next thing <clears throat> i mean in reality that would be a little misleading um, and overemphasize the kind of uh Uh, the movement aspect give a sense of constant movement whereas sometimes what what happens on our path at any point in the path is that we need to hold on to or stay with something I don't just mean the breath but it can mean that Um, it might be a logos that's opened up a new idea something about divinity or something about self or something about soul or something psychological and ah this is a new thing something has just opened here and then we need to kind of um, settle with that new thing, keep that in our sights, keep that plugged in, that logos, keep coming back to that, use it, orient <coughs> from it and around it and to it, and let that do its work, so in other words there's an opening, but then then we need to kind of hold on to something, stay with something, it could be an image, and um, we talked a lot about this uh in the past, about pacing with images, when to deliberately bring uh, in an image that we've that has worked for us before, when to just be open for uh, new images, if you like, or whatever comes. Um, or it may be uh, a desire or a movement of eros that it's not just that we want to feel that uh, that kind of eruption of flame in in the being and in the energy and in the psyche. But also, sometimes that desire or that eros, we need to really steady with it and really focus on it. Let it fill the body, fill the psyche, let it align the being. Um, It's incredibly important when it comes to steadiness, equanimity, devotion, commitment uh, in the long term. Just letting our desires run deep, and because they run deep, they root us deeply. It's really like having a root deep into the earth when we take time with our deep desires, let them run deep let 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 ourselves feel them run deep and and let ourselves almost be constellated or constructed, our very um body and psyche constructed from the base of that desire, like it's one of the foundations of being. So rather than just this desire, that Eros, this, this image, another Eros, this, um, another idea, it, all these aspects again, Eros, Psyche, Logos here, um, may need, uh, any of these aspects at any time, may need us Um, after that initial opening which reveals the new aspect and presents it to us and offers it to us as a possibility then we might need to really um, steady with that for a while and that could be really quite a while um, or shorter or whatever and return to it deliberately over and over recall it, deliberately use it so (coughs) in principle then there's um, there's an opening, there's some kind of opening but then there's some kind of Closing, if you like, closing around what has been revealed in that opening, what has been gifted to us in that opening, what we have discovered or created in that opening. Some kind of grasping of that new, whatever it is, logos, new image, new uh, desire, and grasping at it for a while, consolidating it, um, strengthening our connection with it and our accessibility to it and our the, the vividness of it, the power of it otherwise if it's only endless um opening um whether it's certainly if it's of ideas and logos or images or desires it's just it's just going to be chaotic there's not going to be that steadiness that strength that grounding um and nothing really transforms it feels like oh, it's always constantly erupting new stuff and turning and i don't know where i am and can be kind of exciting but one of the potential drawbacks if it's just this kind of opening, again, 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 over and over. It's only opening is is that it's not actually in, in the end that transformative. It doesn't um, go deep and become fertile and um, potently meaningful and yeah uh, you know, transformative in our lives. So, so when we talk about pacing, again, some wisdom has to come in. Um, yes, uh, a vision of um, increasing fluidity, flexibility, availability um, of I- ideas, conceptual frameworks, ways of looking, uh, ways of looking, and also of that whole um, potentially infinite and endless expansion, deepening, widening of the soul-making uh, dynamic in the eros, psyche, Logos. But what that means uh, from day to day, from moment to moment, is that there's a wisdom. Um, in regards to kind of fluidity and stability, uh, consolidation, settling, staying steady with whatever that aspect is. Um, a little bit related to that, and um, I think I've said this before in a couple of retreats, but if you're listening, if you're working with this material on retreat um, and wanting to incorporate uh, soul-making practices Um, into your kind of retreat life, retreat schedule, um, then really, you know, to know that it's probably not good to be doing imaginal practices all day long and nothing else. We dip in and out um, a little or a lot, uh, as as suits, as seems to serve, into uh, practices of the erotic imaginal. And within that context of moving in and out, you know, when we move out, we move into other practices, and other practices really are helpful complements and supports uh, to um, practices of the erotic imagination of sensing with salt. And in a way, I, I would view them as one, one kind of uh, larger mandala or uh, um, yeah, integrated... Um, set of practices and approaches that that kind of form the soul-making path, really. So, uh, dwelling in the energy body with with that sensitivity permeating the body, um, either developing samadhi or metta or uh, being with the emotional life, all of that, uh, emptiness practices of different kinds to whatever depth one, one's familiar with, and we can always develop that too alongside or before or afterwards. Um, mindfulness of any kind, you know all these are really, really helpful kind of um, say auxiliary that makes them sound secondary they they all fit together to form uh, to kind of tessellate together to form this bag of Not really tricks, but bag of practices and approaches that are really, really helpful to the whole movement and uh, kind of ship shapeness of our vehicle, if you like, and also the efficacy of the soul-making practices. Their sustainability, but also their depth in the moment. Um, So really, any practice that decreases fabrication of perception in the moment, perception of self, other, world, will be a good uh, mix in with the soul-making practices and and imaginal practices. As I said, most imaginal practices, are actually, we could view them as skillful, practices of skillful fabrication, and in contrast to practices that fabricate less in the moment, fabricate less perception. So, emptiness practices... um, uh, metta, samadhi, even even mindfulness fabricates less to, to you know to a small degree, um, these are all practices that fab- fabricate less perception. Imaginal practices are and soul- sensing the soul are practices that fabricate um, perhaps a tiny bit less, but uh, are actually engaged in skillful what we might call skillful soul-making fabrications of perception. So another way of conceiving of this mix is that there are um, practices that, again, very very broadly speaking, kind of build equanimity directly. So, for example, Samadhi practices, uh, generally speaking, Metta practices, Brahma Vihara practice, mindfulness, emptiness, generally speaking, although they can also be quite exciting in terms of the energies they release at times, but generally speaking, the movement of those kind of practices to more equanimity so you've got that on the one side that kind of group of practices and on the other side you've got um what we could call the the practices of eros so so actually opening to the desire and the eros and the erotic imaginal etc and one can think about um you know m- loosely speaking having a balance of those practices it doesn't need to be 50-50 and the balance itself will be fluid of course um but that we've got both we can't just be kind of Plugged into this super intense um, erotic imaginal uh, practice all the time. It's super exciting, but it's it's going to um, tip the boat over, or or at some point, or just burn the engine, or something. Um, And I've talked before, and particularly I think in the Eros Unfettered retreat, um, about the possibility of working within the erotic imaginal practice with the sensing the soul and actually. Uh, by a nuanced, delicate responsiveness and skill in those practices, balancing those practices at the same at the same time as one is engaged in. So instead of going back and forth between these kind of practices and these kind of practices, actually giving attention, for example, to the spreading uh, of the soul making towards self, other and world equally, um, to the ways the energy might expand or need to move in the energy body, to bring in different ways of looking, to uh, ways of relating to desire, for example, um, with the opening to the current of desire practices, um, to uh, kind of being aware of where in the soul-making dynamic which of the elements of your psyche logos may be inhibited right now and may be blocking the soul-making and so kind of tipping things over or uh, drowning them a little bit and and allowing it to spread there and so... uh, so kind of helping to balance the whole soul-making process. We've talked a lot about that. But broadly speaking, there's a sort of back and forth one can engage in between different kinds of practices. And also a kind of, perhaps a little bit more sophisticated, I don't know, um, balancing at the same time um, within the practices of the erotic imagination, within the practices of sensing the soul. Uh, again, if you've listened to a number of talks already and, you know, sometimes it's, uh, I know we sort of said to listen in order and stuff and I know, I know that people don't, but, uh, so if you've listened to other series and, um, uh, you know, just to say again, um, you know, perhaps you're on retreat or something and trying to practice with uh, with this stuff, um, just to say it's really not necessary, um to do all the practices or anything you don't feel comfortable with, uh, and you shouldn't force yourself. Um, so, if that's not obvious, I'm I'm saying that now. Um, and and even more broadly, to say you know this soul making business and these kind of practices, it's just not everyone's cup of tea. I mean, that's ab- ab- Some people will never be interested in this stuff, and that's completely and utterly fine. Souls are different, and they're drawn to different paths for lots of different reasons. And uh, so, if you're listening to this stuff, obviously, and and uh, you know, please don't please don't buy into some should. If it just actually doesn't attract you, let let it go. You know, and there's plenty of other practice possibilities. Um, And even if you're ambivalent, you know, don't. Don't force yourself to do something. I don't think, I really need to do that practice and that practice. and um, That one sounds a little hairy, but I should make myself do it. Please, please don't think that way. Um, so again, there's pacing with all this. Um, many people do find themselves ambivalent. They're deeply drawn. To these kind of teachings and these kind of practices and at the same time they are really ambivalent they're really unsure for different reasons um, so this if that's the case for you it's not just a question actually this isn't really my thing you know I'm not really drawn here um, but if that's the case there's this kind of ambivalence um, then I would you know I would encourage uh, a perhaps talk talking to one of the teachers that's um, very kind of versed in in the soul-making uh, paradigm and sets of practices uh, but also just a gentle questioning with yourself um, what, what actually is the fear um, why, why do I feel reluctant to engage or explore such practices um... What assumptions, perhaps, are involved um, in whatever fears might be operating or concerns? So really, you know, as always with fear, it's generally good to, to let it become more conscious. Oftentimes, we're, I've said this uh, many times before, oftentimes we're bullied, pushed and pulled and inhibited and shut down and uh, directed this way and that by fear, and we're not even fully conscious of what exactly is it that I'm afraid of, what exactly is it that I'm assuming here. So I'm saying this as as the invitation to a real uh, gentle, caring, uh, careful uh, and thorough inquiry, not as just another fancy way of saying get over it and move on and push yourself through into these practices at all. So timing, you know, again, related to pacing, timing with all this and timing with also questioning oneself or inquiring what's going on for me if I feel ambivalent. Um, timing is it's a matter of respect and sensitivity. I need to, you know, sometimes I need to respect my concerns and my fear um, and be sensitive to wh- when is the right moment to kind of turn to and see, now what's going on for me now? What's going on in my heart and soul that there's this um, uh, c- fear or or refusal or, or ambivalence about taking another step? Um, sometimes that needs to be respected, sometimes we need to be sensitive to the, even the fact that that's there and not push us through something, that we, uh, a kind of ambivalence that we haven't even noticed because we weren't paying attention to how we felt. So on the one hand, timing is a matter of respect and sensitivity. On the on the other hand, it's also, you know, there's a place for courage and boldness and fire and all of that in, in these explorations, certainly, but also in the exploration of the relationship with the explorations, if you follow what I mean. So, you know, some people may well think, and I know, and people have said to me, you know, th- th- this... These practices and these teachings they they are dangerous, or they sound dangerous. It's usually they sound because it's usually someone who's not really engaging that's saying that. Um, and I mean, we might say, yeah, m- maybe, but da- dangerous to what? Um, what? 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 What is it that you're thinking, or assuming, or or concerning yourself with there? Um, and so, oftentimes, um, a person will worry that allowing eros to arise, especially allowing sexual eros to arise, or allowing other desires to um, their energy to open, as we did in different, as we taught in different practices, in different ways, that this can only be um, encouraging and feeding and reinforcing uh, the kilesas, movements of greed, um, because greed and desire are the same, uh, etc or delusion um, because fancy an image must be delusion um, or attachment etc and um, th- th- this is this is re- really important to uh, to check this out you know I mean I can say to you it, it's not the case if one practices with with wisdom with sensitivity with care and with responsiveness practices th- Soul making practices and and enters this kind of conceptual framework with all that care and responsiveness um, is just not the case. Uh, it's just it's just now only you, if you have that concern, can actually verify that for yourself. But I think you will you will find that that's so. Uh, and in a way, what we're talking about in this uh, this talk now, in these different parts of this talk, is, yeah, what exactly do I need to care for? What exactly do I need to keep my eye out for? Uh, what exactly needs to be in place um, in order that we don't just end up feeding the Kalesas and thus feeding dukkha? Um, a second uh, concern sometimes that people have, related of course, is um, that... Uh, this the, uh sometimes people are happy talking about um, using the word imaginal um, and using it in a slightly different way, as I pointed out in the first talk, and using it in a way that I would say is a little more um, tame, a little less radical, a little kind of safer, and a little more under the thumb of... Of the self, really, of the ego, and so this relates uh, to sometimes the way Jung would um, encourage people to think about things and so people uh, often they yeah working with the imaginal and uh, kind of uh, engaging the sub personalities um, and uh, just want to point out again that 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 wouldn't be that way of thinking about things. Wouldn't be quite what we mean by the imaginal, and by sensing the soul. Um, sub personalities in in the very uh, word in the, in the nomenclature there um, implies sub. It's less than something. Less than what? Less than the ego or the self. There's something kind of who's got the final say and who's bigger than. Uh, sub means less. So uh, this self keeping my eye on things keeping uh, uh, organized that sort of um, in charge and organizing and overviewing of which there are these little sub personalities which can be fascinating and really helpful and bring some healing to integrate them into this bigger um, super per, you know super superior personality or ego or whatever and can be really really useful and some people w- that's that's what they want to do that's the extent of their Interest and engagement, and that's the extent of the kind of logos or conceptual framework that they're willing to play with and that's absolutely fine. Um, I think we're going beyond that, and uh, because of this sense that uh, w- or these elements that I outlined in the first talk, part of the imaginal part of an um recognizing what we call. The imaginal, an imaginal figure means autonomy, means divinity, means unfathomability, means in some way I cannot figure out or get to the bottom of this imaginal figure. In some ways it's bigger than me. In some ways I am gifted something by, by something, by, by something I don't understand, by something that is larger, more mysterious than me. Subpersonality, uh, therefore, is really the wrong word. They are autonomous. Persons, We are, at least, let's say, we are entertaining that conceptual framework more often than not in our logos. So we're not kind of uh, putting these things in our pocket or harnessing them or something like that. There's a different uh, stance, a different relationship, essentially really a different, um, as I said, a different conceptual framework, um, deliberately entertained. Okay, we can move in and out of that, absolutely, and put it down, adopt another one, even adopt the subpersonality one, etc. But, um, at times at least, and probably the the favoured one, is not to um, box them in and diminish these imaginal figures as subpersonalities. Okay. Uh, m- m- So sometimes a person hearing that, sometimes people don't hear that, and they just, again, just hear the word imaginal and assume subpersonality because they've heard that elsewhere in some uh, psychological paradigm or other. Um, And so they don't hear the difference. Um, I've dwelt a lot on the differences. And sometimes, sometimes people will hear what... this kind of um, if you like more radical vision and and it would be scary what I'm going to be a split personality I'll have split personality disorder or uh, that sounds bonkers isn't that what crazy people do and and all this Um, so that might be a fear but again it's like um, is that really what happens is that really uh, the 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 offshoot of, of all of this practice. When I take the care, when I develop these elements, when I have that responsiveness, when there is the insight and the wisdom. And uh, I, do, I don't think so. I really don't think so. But something more powerful and more radical and more far-reaching and more um, opening uh, it is is opened for us some much vaster landscape of soul is opened for us when we don't uh, l- limit uh, what opens as, for example, as an ma- imaginal figure as a sub-personality. A third area that people can get concerned, and again, it's, it's, a, it's a valid concern, is that sometimes doing this work is really quite a different way of conceiving, of thinking about practice about path, about life, about existence, about being, about um, every element of of existence and of the universe, and um, not just kind of idly or abstractly engaging those thoughts in a way that they don't make a difference, but actually employing them. Again, this phrase I use, entertaining certain conceptions, means kind of... uh, plugging them in, seeing through those lenses, sensing through those lenses and actually palpably uh, feeling in the body, in the emotions, in the, in the soul what a difference that makes to the sense of things, all things. And so in that, in, in engaging these concepts and practices, there can be what I talked about um, uh, a, w- a while ago in, uh, in the last few years at several different points, is this breaking of the vessels as a Kabbalistic concept, something shatters, stretches, or at some point shatters, some old way of thinking, some old way of relating, some old relational structures, some old uh, some old way of conceiving practice, or, or self, or whatever it is. There can be that, that kind of uh, fracturing, breaking of the vessels. And that uh, can be... As much as there's a gift from that, it can be at certain points in in that process when a vessel breaks that we've been used to for a while, or is stretched to point of tension and discomfort. That that can be not easy, you know. Uh, it's not a smooth kind of um, cruise all the time. Um, and when those periods come in our life, and I hope they do come actually, because this is. It, it's almost like um, this is the way that psyche works at times. It works um, in, in the breaking of things at times. Um, and so it's a, it's, a, it's part and parcel of, of the growth, of the, of the movement, of the opening and deepening of the soul-making dynamic over time. But when that does come... Um, when those, those kinds of things come, and they can come in very small ways or larger ways, uh, it's not easy. And it takes a lot of um, equanimity and wisdom uh, to navigate those um, fracturings, openings, and uh, rebuildings of something new um so a person might hear and might hear the uh these these kind of teachings or hear someone talking about this kind of stuff and might hear the potential there for some kind of um breaking out of the structures that one um has gotten used to and lived in and that one may have uh, that may have actually supported one for a while uh, but maybe a little bit inhib uh, not inhibiting but um uh past their sell-by date. Um, And and that can be a little bit uh, worrying or daunting. Um, If we go back to what I said um, earlier, I, I mean, actually, couple of things i said earlier one one is that you know um again going back to this thing about larger larger scale pacing involved in this path so there is this um as they call it in, in the kabbalah breaking of the vessels that can happen in all kinds of different domains of our life at times even if we're not engaging in soul making perhaps it's just part and parcel of being a a kind of maturing human being and growing up um uh, in in our lives um so it happens anyway. So
1: that can be
0: part, part and parcel of what this path um, catalyzes for us. And as I said, it's not just constant opening and fracturing that we're uh, endlessly new things um, slipping and sliding and coming in and breaking and exploding. That's that's not the vision of the path. It's actually there. There will be times. There need to be times for integration for consolidation, for settling for rebuilding, for getting used to a new, for building new structures or letting them be built and then getting used to them uh, and learning from them Um, as I said at the beginning, so there's a kind of movement back and forth between what we might call um, building and breaking or consolidation and this um, shattering or or whatever Um, and that's the rhythm and that's uh, That's part of our life anyway, so it should be. And if it's not, one would have to think what's going on in one's life. One would probably feel quite dead as a human being if there's none of that going on in one's life. And the second thing I mentioned before is just about questioning and the encouragement to question, to inquire. Um, You know, inquiry, uh, questioning... Uh, is also a dangerous business. It um, can be very dangerous because of, because of exactly uh, what we were just talking about, the breaking of the vessels. We inquire, we question, and it pushes on um, w- old structures uh, and questions them. And sometimes the, the, the inquiry has enough force, enough vitality, enough soul in it that things are broken. Whether we're talking about intra or sometimes extra-psychic. Um, So questioning can be dangerous, yes. Um, As I said, it's a matter, though, of respect and sensitivity and not forcing, but also of courage, boldness, fire. So questioning can be dangerous, but sometimes, and I would say always in the long run, what is more dangerous than questioning is not questioning. More dangerous than questioning is... Not questioning. In fact, if we never question, there's going to be some uh, huge cost to the soul from living a life that doesn't question. Okay, just a couple more things um, for today, for now. Um, A reminder regarding, again, we're talking about things that... um, the sort of typical areas where people feel a little nervous or ambivalent or unsure about the kind of teachings that we're presenting. And one, obviously, is not, not just regarding eros, but specifically regarding when the, when the eros is sexual. And so the idea of um, engaging and exploring the uh, sexual, erotic, imaginal in practice um, is a little... Um, worrisome for some people um, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to repeat this over and over but uh, we're talking about really a lot of mindfulness a lot of sensitivity a lot of care a lot of respect um, and the movement of opening up divinity what one will again something i've said before but it's worth repeating i think what one will quickly realize is that when an image is imaginal, so that includes an erotic sexual image, when it's imaginal, it has this quality of being um, iconic, as I said, It's uh, which is almost like non-narrative. How that translates for sexual uh, erotic imaginal means that it doesn't tend to escalate. Um, this um, sexual fantasy or images seem to be playing out. It doesn't send kind of tend to go one thing leads to a next and it all moves towards um you know a final uh, denouement or, or orgasm or, or whatever it is as a sort of um less mindful uh, and less um imaginal um sexual erotic imagery. It might do the way we usually uh, the way that usually pans out or relates for most human beings. Uh or the way we usually relate to that. So, you know, recognising, ah oh yes, it has this iconic, it doesn't actually need, it might just be a uh, a kind of an instant of something, or uh, that's, that's uh, captured as an icon, if you like, and we're resonating with that, it doesn't, it has that quality of not escalating. And similarly, uh, another aspect is, and right from the beginning, teaching the imaginal, have encouraged and diff- with different emphasis at different times, sort of more or less. Um, but there's been this encouragement to to include and trust um, what we might call darker images. Um, so, less nicey-nicey, less sort of all-white angels, um, and cherubs, uh, etc., which have their place, too, unquestionably, um, in, in the, in the landscapes of the soul. But there are darker images, um, more voracious, more carnal, more, uh, seemingly, um, sometimes violent. We talked about images of devouring and that kind of thing. I don't know if I mentioned, uh, throw out again, devour, uh, is maybe related for the soul, as it were, to devote it. Um, so these images are often not what the mind fears they are. And even if they seem to be something really not helpful, there's, there's usually again ways of relating it's all in the ways of looking that redeem them, transform them, um, liberate the sacredness that's actually in them, the treasure that's actually in them, so it's not a matter of evil or I'm gonna do something weird or or all that Um, so so there's this encouragement, and again, at your own pace, and and only when it feels comfortable. Encouragement to include what we might call darker image, and that includes the 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 sexually darker. And so for some, this is very easy; it's already kind of part of what they feel very comfortable with in their sexuality. And for others, less so. And there's lots of different reasons why that's the case. Some is in terms of education and past history, and wounding. And again, souls are different. So some some souls, if you like, have more darkness in them. Uh and that's not good or bad, it's just a it's just a character. It um and some have have less, you know. So so part of this whole um discernment process with soul making is, is kind of again what what is given to me rather than um, me trying to fit into some pattern, which is actually someone else's soul pattern. But with all this, um, with the sexual erotic imaginal, and with the, if you like, the darker images, or the darker um, sexual images, um, if they're there, or they're there the, um, uh, the 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 divinity becomes clear. And as we said, that, that aspect of divinity or theophany is one of the aspects of the imaginal, one of the elements of the imaginal. And, and so one starts to see, oh, that's there, and starts to feel the dimensionality, starts to feel the love, implicit in love is, is respect, um, all these factors, and one starts to just trust trust the whole thing more. And sometimes, as I pointed out, a drop of trust at the beginning can actually allow these other elements to show themselves and then we can let them become more illuminated and amplify more uh, in in the sense of what's going on. Uh, but as I said, for me, um, what's possible here and and, and what's uh, most important in this whole soul-making uh, movement and logos and potential is is the expansion of the senses of, 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 of our senses of sacredness so even in those areas that seem like well that's the opposite of what t- you know my mind says is sacred or um, that can't be sacred or, or whatever it is uh, or I tend not to, I tend to only see it in certain um, expressions only feel a sense of sacredness and theophany in certain expressions um, this whole a particular an important potential in this whole movement of soul making is, is, is the particularity of different kinds of sacredness not just a universal, everything is sacred, everything is perfect but this particular theophany, that particular theophany through this particular thing, that particular expression and that's um, for me central and uh, centrally important in, in the whole movement of uh, an opening up of, of soul making But really, with all this and with all these cautions, what is, um, I think, most commonly at the root, what's most basic um, to all of these um, fears or concerns or ambivalences that people have is the issue of realism. It's, the, it's the, if you like, the most basic, or it's a, it's a problem that's basic uh, and sometimes underneath other apparent problems. And it's it's so common this is this is what we run into. so a person can be um, if you like, let's say with an image uh, that's a little scary for some reason uh, it doesn't fit my idea of uh, what uh, what's holy or, or whatever uh, what's okay. Um, sometimes a person is um, fearing that this means. This means this about me. This means that I'm bad. This means that I've um, got some kind of very strange pathology or whatever. And there's a kind of uh, reification, really an identification of that. Um, and, and that brings up fear. So there's a kind of fear that it is saying, really saying something about me. On the other hand, there can be a fear that, um, if you like, this, this image or entertaining this image is is exactly not real and by entertaining what is not real but just by virtue of the fact that it's, it involves the imagination or it doesn't conform, if we're talking about extra psychic sensing, so it doesn't conform to the um, common consensual, socially agreed upon uh, dominant culture world view of again, what, what, a, what a tree is or what a tree uh, feels or knows or can do or or doesn't, um, and one fears, again, that, uh, I'm, by engaging in this kind of practice or these kind of ideas, I'm practicing and reinforcing a dangerous not being in touch with reality. I'm out of touch with something called reality. And, uh, with either of those fears, whether it's a fear of what this thing means about me, or, or this is going to happen, or, uh, because I had an image of this, and it must be a premonition or whatever, or it's a fear that I'm just, um, you know, encouraging myself to be out of touch with um, so-called reality. Um, and then what will be the consequences of either of those? I will then do this; it will get out of hand, etc. Und- <coughs> underneath, <coughs> excuse me, underneath all this, underneath what I was talking about with the fears around sexual, erotic, imaginal, with. Um, Almost anything that most common underneath it all, most basic, um, as a as a kind of issue or problem that needs attention, is is the realism. And that's why we talked so much about the imaginal middle way, about the theatre quality. So let's um, let's come back to that shortly. Thank you for listening.